you move into a new house. It's an exciting new adventure. When suddenly your spouse begins to change, they take on a strange personality trait and begin acting like someone, someone that you don't know. I know it sounds like a classic Hollywood trope, but the terrifying truth is it happens. And in many instances, it can be traced to supernatural causes, paranormal parasites. The loss of a loved one can be devastating. For some, it's an impossible task to move on from. But what happens when you begin to hear the weeping, supernatural sobs that seem to emanate from the ether? Do ghosts grieve? Tonight, we will have two totally independent discussions with the same guest. Our first hour, the terrifying and toxic paranormal parasites and later grieving ghosts. That's next right here on the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Michelle Welch is highly accomplished in many different fields, an author, a psychic intuitive, business owner, an active lawyer practicing criminal and civil law, jury selection consultant, grief doula, and a mother of five children. She also finds time to host the podcast Soul What on all listening platforms and YouTube and hosts Tarot Takeaways, a Soultopia Instagram series. Her newest book is Spirits Unveiled, and she is here with us this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paranormal 60, Michelle Welsh. Michelle, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. All right, let's get into this. Paranormal parasites. I've had people ask me, obviously, having done TV shows for years and, and going out and investigating places, can you get an attachment? Do these things really occur? And in a lot of instances, I say no. For me, I've been pretty good at keeping myself shielded, or I like to believe I have. But we hear these classic cases of strange things, entities, energy, something that can sometimes take over the personalities or manipulate the people. And and I hear a lot of these classic stories. They couple madly in love, buy a new home together. They get in and they start to refurbish. And all of a sudden, one of them just starts to go down a very strange rabbit hole. When you look at the full scope of all this and being somebody that's psychic and mediumistic and has these abilities, it's easy to want to point the finger, right? And you know better than most as a lawyer, everybody wants to point the finger to the devil made me do it. Everybody, it's everybody else's fault except for mine. But in the instance of paranormal parasites, Michelle, does this truly exist? It does. It does truly exist. And the way that I know it is it's happened to me. I like to think being in the business I am in and and being this way since I was little, I like to think that I am good at, as you said, protecting and shielding myself. But it has actually happened to me on several occasions. So I know for a Mm. fact that can happen. Now, was I crawling on top of the ceiling like you see in some of the shows and, you know, like totally possessed or something like that. No, Please say yes. But, oh, hey. I was going to make a much better episode if you I were, think, but I, I'm with you. We'll hear I, you out on this. I do have a story that's pretty <laughs> close. Uh, and, and I, and for people, uh, just one thing to know is if you go under anesthesia, mm-hmm. uh, that is a time when predatory spirits can, I don't want to scare people, but they can attach. So you really, really want to uh, protect yourself anytime. And so that's when one of the times that it happened to me. I came out of uh, anesthesia. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that because my mother was a nurse for most of her life and loved it. And I had a chance to talk and I still do to many people in the medical field. And it's amazing how many anesthesiologists I've spoken to who tell me that when the patient is going under, a lot of times they'll lean in and do a prayer for the person. Mm -hmm. And I've thought, oh, that's really sweet. It's a healing prayer. And they're like, 
it's more of a protective prayer. And that's how they've left it. But I think you just may have shined the light on why that takes place. Um, that's that's fascinating. But that is how you picked up your intruder. One of the times, yes. And it's happened okay. more than, so one of the times it did happen that way. And I was wondering, you know, even with all the knowledge I'm supposed to have, some of us, you know, it's just like those, your doctor friends, and mm-hmm. maybe they're the worst at taking care of themselves sometimes. So the pe- people like me who have all these tools at my disposal, sometimes I just, th- I forget, I forget to right. protect myself and the very, you know, the very person who should. And I came out of, anesthesia and I usually don't have any trouble with it. It's not like they can't wake me up, but I just, for the next month, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I really, really was not acting like myself at all and did seem, my husband would probably say, you know, yeah, she was possessed. Uh, but I, it, but in, in reality, I, it wasn't because I was a sluggish. It was, there was something that had attached to me. And I believe sometimes that can be things that have kind of tried to warm their way in before. Uh, because here's the thing. I believe there's both, there's there's light, whatever you want to call it. There's there's polar, polarity, there's duality. And a lot mm-hmm. of us will want to interact with spirits, but they're not, they don't have our same moral compass. We and our set of ethics. And so when you're interacting with a spirit, you need to know what set of ethics that spirit has before you play around with that spirit, because you're entering a realm where they may think it's totally fine to go to make somebody sick or to do whatever. And it happened to me. Well, Michelle, let me that's a lot to unpack, but I want to take it back Mm -hmm. to the fact that, you know, we've been led to believe through a lot of mythology uh, vampiric and, and, uh, demonic that you have to be kind of a willing participant. You have to allow something in, you have to give permission to that to occur. So it's, it's kind of frightening on this side of things to hear that, you know, just being vulnerable, um, that, you know, being unconscious during this, uh, medical procedure could open you up to this. I don't want, first of all, I don't want to frighten people off from having much needed medical procedures. Um, but, how how do these things how do these things attach to us okay, if we're not so giving that open invitation my reason that i believe it happens is because i think we're all one and i don't want to sound corny about it but we're all connected in some way and because of that i don't think you always have to give an invitation i would disagree with that Okay. Who am I to disagree? But from my experience, I didn't. And of course, I would want people to go get surgery if they need it. There's protection Mm -hmm. you can take. Just remember to take it. And whatever that is to you, whatever prayer or intention setting, whatever it is to someone, just make sure you. And and also, I believe in managing my own energy. So like you said at the top of the show, when, you know, people want to go it. They did it, you know, and never take responsibility. I'm real big on taking managing my energy. And I try to teach that people that in my stores, they'll come in, they'll be like, Mm -hmm. I'm an empath and I feel this and I can't go into a crowded room. And my first book, The Magic Connection, was about that because I heard it so much. I heard people putting the blame off on, oh, it must be bad energy. It must be a spirit. It must be this or that. But can it happen? Yes. And do I think it can happen to you when you... I maybe in some way I allowed that, but I didn't consciously realize I was lying. That maybe something I believed or read or thought of opened the door to that potentially. But I don't think you have to open the door always. All right. Well, let's, I want to dig into this aspect with the medical issues because there's a few things that come to mind. First of all, uh, and without giving too much away for your privacy with the procedure you were having, was this something that, um, that involved blood transfusion at all? No. Okay. Because my, my first question was, could there be, um, you know, through blood transfusion, can we pick up some of that energy from the person that donated? Uh, we, you know, we hear, we have heard some very strange tales throughout the years of people that have gotten organs from donors and suddenly have different cravings, different likes or dislikes, things that they were passionate about before fall to the wayside and suddenly they're into something totally different. Uh, could there be part of the soul, part of the spirit that resides within our blood that can be transferred from one to another in these situations? 
yes, what about tissue? I mean, tissue Mm -hmm. did play a part in my surgery. So what if you're taking tissue from someone else? What if you're getting a skin graft? What if, um, you know, some part of your body's, you know, being rebuilt for purposes, you know, that you need to have? So, again, don't want to scare anybody off. But I won't say what it was, but I did say to my husband, I said, I feel different. I also had someone who worked with me who had some major surgery done for cancer and received uh, not organs, but skin, you know, tissues like what are mm-hmm. our largest organ and mm-hmm. it's part of us. And she said, you know what? I'm t- and she's extremely psychic, like a triple Pisces or something, double Pisces. And she said, I feel the energy of this other person. And I trusted her. She's not one who's just going to make something up to sensationalize. Well, it. Sure. Why wouldn't you? I mean, when we think about the the phenomena of um, psychometry, right? Psychometrizing, touching something that belonged to someone and how powerful that energy is. I could hand you my ring and suddenly you're like, I see you dressed in Spider-Man underoos swinging from <laughs> your, wait, we shouldn't talk about that. Uh, but right. But you, I, you're, you're picking up, you're getting these visual imprints that's from an inanimate object, a living, breathing tissue or blood cell. Whether you're psychic or not, that seems to me like you're, that would be an interesting infusion of that. So even if you're not fully psychic, that's oh, a pretty big infusion of, of somebody else's energy, an intrusion almost. Right. And I think that For me, that's a no-brainer, what you said, that that would happen. Would you people be aware of it? They might just, like you said, blame it on something else because they might not want to believe in that. Uh, But for me, it just came as a aha moment. I was like, okay, this feels weird. And then when I had my friend who is much like me say the same thing that happened with her, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not just trying to weave something in here. And if anything, I again, go back to trying to manage my own energy and just say, okay, well, you're just in, you're in a funky mood. You're not, you know, just being weird, but no, it can happen. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it happen? It's the way I look at it is it is weird, but it's weirder to think it might not happen. Right. Right. Well, and we, our blood is constantly changing over and processing and it's more so in women than in men. So maybe you do eventually flush that out of your system. Stephanie Blankenship says, my daughter is an organ recipient and I can 100% say that is true. Um, Rachel Lewis says, yeah, Dave, that is, that is definitely a theory to ponder. Um, But then in talking about that, the instance of, an attachment that almost seems like it's something that was, we think of it almost maliciously um, there lurking in the hospital, right? Some soul that's lost its body wanting to enter yours to live its life or, or get that kind of ethereal high from your energy. Uh, but in some instances, it sounds like this is something that's just happenstance. It's a, a it's a bump effect that, that you're actually taking. In your case, do you believe that this had something to do with the tissue transference or do you believe that it had to do with a soul looking for a host? I don't know. Uh, It could be both. I I have had other souls looking for a host in a different different ways that I can share in that particular one. I think it was just maybe happenstance, but Mm -hmm. as you said, I'd have to unpack that a little bit more. I right. I think it it could go either way, but I didn't put it this way. I didn't do like a real clearing. I'm real big too on, you know, you need to clear your energy and all that. And I try to do it every day and scan my energy. Uh, It just took a while for it to be gone because I didn't really think of now I will do a clearing immediately after anything I have. So it could be something that was trying to just, you know, leech onto me and and it happens. Well, I I know. I've spoken about the fact that when I was in the hospital and it's appeared as a a story on haunted hospitals, that while I was in that kind of zone on morphine, I could definitely see I had visitors in my hotel room or hospital room with me. Uh, No doubt in my mind, it's, it's a more clear memory than other memories I have that actually happened. But I remember seeing these beings in my room trying to communicate with me. It was very unsettling. Um, I never got the sense or feel that they were trying to take me over. But, you know, you said if you ask your husband, he might say you were possessed. But is there a difference between a possession and an attachment in your estimation? 
a little bit. It may okay. be a matter of semantics, but a little bit because if they just fully take me over, I feel like they'd be speaking through me and I wouldn't have as much control. It's almost like I just have a little, you know, hitchhiker or something, as they would mm-hmm. say, you know, just attached to you. So I think it could be both, but I haven't personally. I have now I do have I've had some kidney issues. OK, so I'll just mm-hmm. say I've had 21 kidney stones and I'll, I would love to tell you guys how that attached to me. So I was out in my store one day and I have kind of an ethical thing that with my everyone who works for me that you can't walk up and say, hey, Dave, you know, I don't know you, but can I do a little inter- energy healing on you? We're, we don't allow that. Uh, it's right. invasion of privacy, blah, blah, blah. It's not ethical. Well, I broke my own rule about four years ago and I went out into my store. Mm-hmm. And there was a young man in there, and I said, can I help you? He was busy. And he said, yeah, I'm about to have dialysis. And he was young. I, he seemed young to me. And, I, and uh, I, I broke my rule. I didn't touch him. I just put some Reiki where I don't even know where things are, but I can do medical intuition. But I might point to your knee and say your head hurts, you know, but it, because it's all just mine. you know. But right. um, I put my where his kidneys would be. And I have had kidney stones ever since ever since. Well, we have cameras in our store, all over our store. So we went back to see, because I was like, is this a malevolent being, uh, somebody that intended me harm, or was this benevolent? So was I really just being silly, and I tried, I was being egotistical, and I took on his energy, because I for sure did. I had never had anything with my kidneys before that, and it happened almost immediately. And uh, so I, I still don't know. I think I'm leaning towards, it was benevolent, uh, excuse me, malevolent. Uh, right. You know, but the cameras, I'm out there and I had witnesses when it happened. So it's not, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm putting my hands. There's no one there on the camera. So I'm looking like an idiot on the camera and just standing there doing. You're like, doing healing on an imaginary being. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing is you're giving an energy transference to, uh, I shouldn't say imaginary being, but an unseen being. Unseen. So you're giving an energy transference without without thought. So what you've basically done is you have opened yourself up to this. Totally. Once you've opened up to that energy, it, what yeah. goes comes, right? Totally. And, and, wow. and a little bit out of ego. I, I, it was compassion, but it was also like, I really want to help him. And, you know, I can be, you know, John God or something. You know, I, right. I God right now, but I can be, you know, for that's probably not a great example, but I'm, I can take <laughs> this healing on and I did. Not that I'm so great, but it was just I allowed it, as you said before. That was a clear case of me allowing. And I will tell you that I have struggled with that, I believe, about four years now. Uh, Now, now people would ask, why haven't you gotten rid of it? Right. That was my next question. I've worked on it and I've worked on it. So maybe, um, you know, I haven't had my kidneys aren't damaged. Um. But I have it's I I just have to do more being taking care of myself instead of worrying about everybody else so much. I need to take time for myself to do those clearings and things like that. But it well, that's that's an important part, I would guess, in, in the healing modality is that you have to make sure that you are after you're doing that, you're separating you from the energies that you've just worked on so that you're not taking home the illness, the ilk, right? I mean, it's no difference uh, psychically healing somebody than if I sneeze in your face with COVID, right? right? I mean, you're, hey, what the hell is that, right? And if you're not diligent about keeping masked and cleaned and, and whatever, and don't get all over me, folks, and that's I'm just making a, a point, yeah. Um Right, that 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 can affect you, and if you're working in that healing modality, right? So, have you ever kind of just like walk past somebody you don't like, and you kind of try to throw it at them, give them that little <laughs> get, yeah, get rid well, of your <laughs> get rid of your yeah. kidney stones? No, haven't done that. But um, <laughs> unless somebody really crossed me, no, I'm kidding. Right, I, yeah. I haven't, but I have tried to liquidize them, I, and I have been able to do that, because I, it gets to the point you're, you know, surgery on a couple, you don't want to keep going back in, they're right. not that big, but they hurt bad, sure. um, to any doctor who thinks they don't, I'll have you, I'll let you, I'll arrange for you to have a kidney stone, anyone yeah, <laughs> any, let me give you one 
Yeah. He said he. I was telling. We were talking about this today. I told a doctor told me. Well, what when they're in your kidneys, are still in your kidneys, they don't hurt. And I said, Have you ever had a kidney stone? He said, No. And I go, Well, in about five months, you're going to find out because he was being really rude. And Roger's like, You cursed him. I was like, No. I'm just going to invite him to experience a kidney stone. And he's like, That is not ethical. And I was like, Well, I I said it. You know, <laughs> he invited. He doesn't have to accept the invitation. No, he may not. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I I. As we were talking about this and the parasitic nature of of entities, as I said, I've always been very cautious with how I go about things and I don't invite things into me. I invite it to use my energy to help, but I and I, I try to define clearly, but you may not enter me or use me as a, a, a medium to do this. Um, I was speaking to this woman. She was very distraught about what she had been going through with her husband and they would go every week to go hang out at this pub where they used to live uh, in Wisconsin every weekend. It was just their ritual, right? They had to move and they wanted to go be closer to their children and grandchildren. And they moved and found this new pub. And, and quickly after going there, the husband began to radically change. And she was, you know, oh, well, it, we made a move. There's all this change. We're not with our friends. We're in a new environment. And she goes, but one night when I felt that he was really out of sorts, she goes, I just happened to snap a picture and I'd like your opinion on this. Mm -hmm. And she snapped this picture and my blood ran cold looking at it. And I say, you know, at first I'm like, no. And I enlarge and I ask her to send it to me and she sent it to me and I blew it up and I ran it through a few filters trying to see and define if there was any manipulation. There right. wasn't, but there was definitely this very hollow looking figure that was, for it was almost clinging to to her husband. It was like its arms were over the front of it, and its head was up over his shoulder, and it just looked like this gaunt, cancerous man. And I said, "Have you shown this to anybody?" And she said, "No." She goes, "And I'm afraid to show my husband because he'll either think I'm a lunatic, or I don't know if this will really break him." And I said, "This is going to sound really strange, but I want you to go into the pub when he's not there." And I want you to talk to one of the old timers, somebody that's been there a while and show them that photograph without saying a word. Just say, I need you to look at something and show them the photograph. She did and then contacted me back and she was in tears. This was an ex. I'm getting the willies just talking about yeah. it. It was an ex patron of this pub who hung out there all the time and had been diagnosed with cancer, was not taking care of himself, was just letting himself waste away. They said they recognized him immediately, that it was this man. And they think he just found the right connection with her husband and glommed on. He wanted to have that sense of drink. He wanted to have that sense of his friends in the pub. And it wasn't a sense of malevolence. Right. It wasn't as though the spirit was like, nah, I'm going to get you, right? Yeah. It was more along the lines of it just was clinging to life and it wanted to sustain that. And she said it was so clear that the bartender first looked at it and asked if I was screwing around with him and if this was a joke. And then he was looking to see if there was a picture of this guy up in the bar anywhere that might've been caught in the picture she took. And when they showed it to the other patrons, they were all like, Oh my God, that's like Henry or whatever his name was. That's Henry. There's no doubt that's Henry. And she addressed him um, when her husband would sleep, she would talk to the spirit and she just said, I need you to let go of my husband. You're, you're making him sick. You're, you're changing. That's, I know that's not what you want. I know that you're just trying to live that life, but you're hurting him. You, you have to stop. And she said, after doing that a few times, suddenly her husband was back in this cheery disposition. Things were going better in his life. Um, they would go in the bar and she could feel a shift. But as soon as they would leave the bar, so she said she felt fine with that exchange. It's like, if you want to feel the high of drinking and being a part of the conversation that the husband's having with all of his former friends and feeling like he's alive in that sense, she was okay with that, but that he had to stay at the bar. And that mm -hmm. seemed to be yeah. right. That seemed to be it. And I was like, wow, it's again, it's fascinating. You'd look at this picture and immediately think, holy crap, that's a demon. There is definitely a demon attached, but it was just there was something human about that face that it didn't. It looked gaunt. It looked hollow and sickly and could have very well been misinterpreted. But there was that. Which is weird to say in a spirit, there was that spark of humanity that you could see it was it looked like it was clinging to him, looking to just please just let me live. Let me be a part of this mm -hmm. and uh, to have her come back with that. That is one of the more 
holy beep moments I've ever had in That's talking true. about that. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we have that authority over ourselves, right? If people, yes. if we have something, we have that authority to shun it, to, to, to and shun sounds cruel, but to push it off and tell it it's not welcome. What do you recommend people do to break that bond? So if you have a prior a parasite, excuse me, a, you mm-hmm. know, a hitchhiker or something clinging on to you, you can, what I did, I'll start with the big thing. I had, I came back from Katrina, uh, from New Orleans. And, you know, when Katrina happened, I was glued to the TV. I, I was very, very compassionate, uh, very mm-hmm. upset about the people there and the lost souls. And so later I went to New Orleans and answer what I did first, but there's other ways to do it. But I came back and everyone here at the store, a lot of the healers, people are saying, you're just acting different. What's wrong with you? And I'm a little bit prone to depression sometimes, but because I see things that make me sad, things like that. But, and I'm, I'm used to that since I was little, but come to find, so what I did is I got a, a, a couple of my friends um, and I just said, help me uh if the, these beings because they were they were people that had they were not menacing souls at all it was exactly mm-hmm. what you just said they saw i was compassionate i mean and i wasn't people say to me you know oh be careful when you go in a hoodoo shop I, none of that phased me what phased me was the i could sense the sadness so i brought it back with me real beings and so i, I circled some people around me and i just said help me send these wonderful souls to whatever it is that we can just call it going to the light um that's a right. whole nother topic that you know um i think they're around us all the time anyway so i think it's just a frequency but I'll tell you what, that and just telling the talking to the spirit, like um, it's your wife, right? That your wife was, or no, the friend, the friend of yours mm-hmm. that talked to the wife of the man and just communicating with the spirit. The big thing I am, and I hope I answered that question because you use a lot of tools and sage and all those things, but I really believe in communicating with the being and Sometimes you may need more someone stronger to help you or to help you release the beings. They literally said, okay, they're all gone. And I was like, Mm-mm, there's one that's still here. I can feel it. I, I feel heavy. I feel, I mean, I thought I had chronic fatigue. I, I have mm-hmm. often, you know, and a lot of times if you feel that, I'm not saying every time you have chronic fatigue, you have right, right. a parasite. But uh, again, let's manage our own energy first. And then we look to that. But uh, I said, no, well, there's one still here. And he is scared to go because he's afraid he's going to be judged. And the way he was raised, he's afraid he's going to face a judgment that he doesn't face. So what? And so I I dealt with that one. I had him a couple uh, days or maybe a week longer. And so those you can use crystals, you can use, you know, healings from energy workers. But really talking to the being to me is the best way. And if you don't feel you know how to do it, I promise you do just talk. My son called me and he was in San Francisco. He's moved to New York now and he's he's scared of stuff. And he said, Mom, um, the, the hangers in my closet are rattling and it's every night. And I was like, well, is there an earthquake? What's going on? And he said, no, there's something in my closet. And I go, well, then go. He goes, do I need to sage it? And I said, no, you need to engage before you sage. That's my phrase. Engage before I like you that. Ask, because how would you like it? And his name's Tyler. He won't be mind telling me this story, mind me telling this. But how would you like it if somebody just came up and you were trying to talk to him and they just say, sprayed you with sage or, you know, sage right. spray or did a bunch of, you know, whatever it is and threw crystals at you? How would you like that when really you, he had, it was a he, Tyler found out and he goes, I'm not doing it, but I'll get my roommate to help me. And sure enough, it was a being and he talked to that being. So. I know we, we've just got a few moments left in this aspect of it. I, I wanted to just touch briefly on this before we have to take our break. And uh, at the break, when we come back, we're going to be changing the gears. We're going to be talking about grieving ghosts, which is a different, unique perspective. Um, ties in a little bit with the story I just shared as well. But in your line of work, you're working in criminal and civil law. Um, you see bad guys that want to put the blame elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Do you also see darkness the things that are attached to them that may be driving them or is that hollywood machinations not hollywood two stories specifically i'll keep it short 
One okay. was uh, he and they do have the black eyes, the kind of what you think of the dead black eyes. Uh, one of them, uh, he had I was court appointed on this one to um, to do an appeal. And I always went and saw him and he had lit his a girl on fire because somebody came and it was at a crack house in Dallas. And they came and told him that he he. Somebody said, well, the girl you're with, you know, who's trying to get the crack from you. So they, they were sleeping together, just to be blunt. Um, she has AIDS. He lit her on fire. This is a, one of the last. Oh, my I did. God. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. This no, is no, I understand. Yeah. Lit her on fire. And uh, so that was my lovely client was the one who lit the girl on. And she didn't live. And I remember the, the eyes and the minute. And his first name was Johnny. I'll never forget it. I went and saw him. And he hadn't been tra- transferred to the pen yet. He was in prison still in Dallas. And I saw him and I was scared. I, I, it's, it takes a lot to scare me now. But yes, he and he was it was attached to him. But I think he had a let that being take over his body. And I'm like you. I When I channel, I'm not channeling being through me and my voice is going to chat. I will not allow that. Okay. Uh, but that's one of the stories that has happened yeah. So you see that, I mean, do you, in a sense, then this guy's a victim as well. This guy that's that it. has something that's, that. do you, do you work on his behalf in the energy field to try to help clear this guy? Or is it kind of, you know, maybe this is his karmic comeuppance from whatever he chose to come into this life with, or I, I don't, all of that seems so woo woo to me, but I mean, what, what do you do in that? I mean, you're willing to touch somebody and get rid of their kidney stones. No, you know, I, do, I didn't touch because Reiki you don't have to touch, but I was really close. But, right, um, right. But he, and it was silly for me to do that, but uh, I leave karma to karma. So for me, if I can help and I feel like I'm supposed to help, I try. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to always have compassion for my clients on both sides of cases and, right. and you know, see them of the trauma they've gone, gone through. That doesn't mean they don't have to pay consequences for what they do mm-hmm. or all those kinds of things. But I don't just, I, I think we can change our karma too. I think that we have, Hey, lawyers know how to make, break contracts. Right. So I always say yeah, your karmic contract, if it's not working for you, let's, let's rewrite that. Let's, uh, right. Do, want to be you know if you believe in that and you still want to be part of that blueprint you laid out why can't you change it if it's not working out for you so i would try he scared me but i had compassion for him because he it it hadn't been him for a long time i could tell gotcha and you had one other quick story let me hear the other weird attachment that you came up against while doing legal work oh gosh now i may have forgotten it um well, I'll tell you one that wasn't from legal work, if you don't mind. Um, no, that's fine. Uh, oh, I also had a client who convinced. Um, well, I worked on a case. It's in my book. I worked on a, a case uh, and I got permission to talk about it because when you work on cases, I'm very careful to ask the investigators, the DA and right, the DA right, in this right. county. And uh, so it it was an attachment. It might be best for the next segment, but I have had a lot of spirits come through that are wanting to attach to someone and they're wanting to talk to me to give them me to give them a message and I will talk to them about not attaching and this is one where a girl had been murdered a young girl I want to say young young to me she was about 20 maybe 20 21 22 23 and had been missing and I she came through Oddly, in the most bizarre way, the girl that came to get the reading from me came to get it about her boyfriend who had passed. I gave that reading. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, somebody else wants to talk to you. And it was I the case was not public yet. And I gave her all the information. She was friends with the family and she was part of the search party. And that's how I became involved in that case. So that's wow. not really an attachment, but um just because I can't remember the other one. That's what I told no, that's, that's fine. We'll take that exchange. Uh, speaking of an exchange, folks, we got a big exchange happening this week and a bonus episode. Uh, the Paranormal 60 presents Ghosts of Devil's Perch. We're going to be taking a look at episode one, Blood Feud. My special guest, Chris 
Fisk, who is the historian and part of our team on the TV show Ghosts of Devil's Perch, airing now on Travel Channel and Discovery+. Plus. For those of you, our friends in the UK, you'll be able to see episode one when it begins airing on Really Channel and on Discovery Plus UK. That will be August 27th. For those of you in Canada, it's on Discovery Plus Canada already. And our friends in Australia, you should be getting this series around October. That's all I know at this point. But we're going to be doing a special look back at Episode 1, Blood Feud, with Chris Fisk, talking about the Clark Chateau and what you saw in the first episode. If you haven't had a chance to see it, make sure you check it out. We'll be live tomorrow night. Tuesday, right here, and uh, same time, same channel. You can come in and uh, be a part of the show. We'll take your questions, and then we'll also give you a little preview of what you can expect in Episode 2, The Axeman. That's next week on The Ghosts of Devil's Perch. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Welcome back to the program. This is the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60. I'm your host, Dave Schrader. My guest, Michelle Welsh. Uh, uh, First half of our show, we were talking about paranormal parasites, uh, attachments, things of that ilk. We'll have our guests back to go into those kind of stories again and other topics in the future. But I wanted to split this show up into two aspects. One, talking about the parasitic paranormal element that exists. But in the second half, I wanted to talk about something different. Obviously, going through the grieving process is devastating for many of us, trying to let go of the people that we love letting go of those memories, the facts that we won't have that person in our life to make that phone call to, to share the moments of joy that we have and the moments of doubt. We don't have that same feeling of support and love and grief can take its effect on us in many different ways. Now, our guest, Michelle Welsh, is also studying to be a grief doula. We're going to find out a little bit about what a grief doula is as we also discuss the grieving ghost. Michelle, when I talked to you a little bit about this off air, I love the fact that you were so open to the idea of, yeah, let's let's discuss this. Do ghosts grieve? Do the souls upon departure from our physical form, do they grieve for the loss of us? I say yes, definitely. Not all. I mean, some are like, I'm out of here. And they're, right. they're moving on. <laughs> uh, right. But some absolutely. And that's why some hang around, Uh, you know, think about a mother who potentially has um, a child she's leaving behind. That mother Mm -hmm. might say or father 
So you know what? I'm I'm not going anywhere. I you know I'm and so I, if if this is that kind of grief, I mean, so they're gonna they're grieving what they're having to leave behind. And I think that's why some people, you know, do hang on to life so strongly at the end. Probably your uh, the doctor friends of yours, you know, have probably have stories of people who fight it harder. But I, of course, I think they grieve. And we hear a lot of that. We hear a lot of, uh, and, you know, the accounts of places that are haunted where people are, where the ghosts are heard to be crying. And I believe that can be a disincarnate, a human that, just hasn't moved on to the next what I call frequency or I guess dimension. Absolutely. That. Obviously, my friend Michelle loses somebody and I'm there and she can talk to me and I can put my arm around you and your head on my shoulders, you weep and and I can be there just as a a pillar for you to lean on, a, a voice to calm you or an ear to listen to the things that you want to share. When we hear the ethereal sounds of sobbing or wails of these sad, these these grieving ghosts, what can we do to aid them? When obviously we can't see them necessarily, we can't hold their hand, we can't embrace them in our arms, and maybe for good cause, maybe we shouldn't allow that energy that close mm -hmm. that it, it might imprint on us, similar to what we were discussing in the first segment of tonight's show. But what can we do to help those that are that are grieving? So I, I believe strongly and I get a little irritated with people who try to agitate ghosts. OK, so if you, any of your your guests that are the ones if I don't know, but the ones that I talk about it pretty openly um, on my show, mm -hmm. the ones that agitate ghosts so they can get them. We have Goatman Bridge near Dallas. And that's one of the biggest right. places a lot of people go. I can barely go there. It, I, I have literally sobbed there because of the, and the last time I went, I just told my husband, I'm not going again. Cause he does the paranormal quote unquote ghost hunting. I don't like the word hunting either so much. Um, right. Investigating paranormal investigations. We, right. Yeah. How do we help them talk to them again? Now, I know that a lot of people are like, well, Michelle, you can do that, but I can't. Yes, you can. Also pay honor to, if you're there at the Goatman Bridge, I also sense a strong Native American presence. There's a field where I know some sort of battle went down, okay, some sort of battle. And I, so I've asked my friends that are in, um, I have a, a girl living with me right now. She works for us, and I know her mother real well. They're the Lakota. And I said, you know, am I am I okay to try to help? There's a lot of Native American burial grounds around uh, Frisco, Texas, so there's a lot of activity in homes because mm -hmm. of that. What do, what do I do? And she said, I'll go show them honor, pay pay tribute to them in some way, maybe have a ritual for that person. So if there's someone, for instance, in my store, we have three, but the one I'm sitting at right now is our first store, and. I'll, I'll keep it a little vague, but we had a client at one point who came in for a mediumship reading. She had lost her daughter. The daughter's still here, and she is in my store, okay? And at first, and I, I, let me explain, because it's like, why, are you trapping her here? No, she is not ready to go. But the mother was not let, ready to let go of the daughter yet, her memory. So she right. kept getting coming and getting readings. And finally, we're kind of like, I don't know if this is healthy, you know, for, so, but the daughter has still been here and she will open cupboards. We have proof of that. Too. I don't have video proof of that, but I have a lot of a, right. a girl that used to be in this office who would be up here late. She's an author and she would say all the cupboards were closed and I go back in there and they're all open and I am not ready to send her on her way. So how would I help her? And she sometimes cries, but most of the time she's happy. Um, I would talk to her. And I believe that's what happens a lot of times is people just, they get so caught up in the, oh, that's cool, that they forget that this, I mean, you need to have compassion right. for the ghost or the disengagement. Well, let me ask you, going back, because I know if I don't come back to this, my audience will beat me. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you're not ready to to help that spirit or let that spirit go yet. Um, define that. I mean. Okay. Uh, so. As I spoke about in the first set, when we talk about uh, sending, I, I'm not sure I love these words when we use them for lack of, because it's what most people are familiar with, sending someone to the light. Like, you know, come on, it's, it's okay. Right. You'll be okay. Your loved ones are waiting for you. Well, I'm not going to say that unless I see that, because I'm not going to lie to a spirit. 
Okay, I'm not going to say, but it's, I can say it's my experience that a loved one. So I'll ask for one. But this little girl will, and it's probably about time for her to move on, but she just wasn't ready yet. She just, and I can tell. And everybody was just, and we also had one coming through, and I'm pointing because I'm pointing the direction through where we have classes. And there was a very stern uh spirit that came through and that spirit was seen and felt by people who didn't even know each other in my store and people were putting black salt back there and black tourmaline and everything they could put against the wall and finally I said I think it's one of my relatives because um, it was a very disapproving and I come from a very long line of like Lutheran and my German side and it they looked maybe like they moved over to America and maybe pilgrim puritan kind of and that's how everyone described it and i was like i really get the impression this is one of my relatives so stop i want to talk to him so stop putting that salt and stop putting all that stuff so i moved it all i was like come in not because i want the haunted store just because right. i want to commune and communicate with the spirit and say what do you need why are you still here the little girl has not spoken to me verbally okay i see mm-hmm. her go by in a whisk other people have seen her more than me. I'll just see her just like, I don't even whisk is a word, but I'll see her just kind of shuffle by. And right. I just, the reason, so to, not because I'm trying to keep her here, but because of my compassion that she's just not quite ready. And how then I would help her move on to her next stage. Do you believe that our grief is what holds some spirits here, maybe even against their will? We often look in hauntings and wonder, is there something holding these other spirits there? Uh, You know, we're looking for the big bad, right? Mm -hmm. Is it our want and desire to not let go? Are we doing a disservice to our loved ones by demanding them to stay here, beam, show me your presence. I need you here. And I'm not mocking when I do that. I I have that, that I fight that cry in my heart every day to want to hear from my mom or my grandfather. Right. But I also want them to, they did their job and we loved each other fully in life that I don't want to keep calling upon them in death. Um, and, and they've made their presence known from time to time. But I feel like some people I know are so identified by grief that I wonder, have they created an anchor for those that they love that keeps them tethered, earthbound, unable to move on because their connection is so strong to us, the living. I think that, is also true. I don't think it's an either or. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is absolutely true. Can we keep them tethered? I don't know how long, but has it happened? I think that strongly happens. I think the original part of that story that I told you, um, mm-hmm. without giving up too much, it's been a long time, but um, I believe that was someone not wanting to let go of, of a child. And, uh, you know, now that the mother's not here. We're going to give the child a little bit more time. But yeah, the grief can be so strong in humans that I certainly believe. And I don't know if it's because they're stuck here because we are our power is so great. And our grief is so great that we're keeping them here and tethering them here. It may be because I don't see when I see disincarnates. I don't see them. And even when they do cross, for lack of a better word, I, they're still, they still have their ego. You know, you're, you're, my grandmother will still say, I don't like your hair that way. And, you know, whatever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and make sure you go fishing, Michelle. So I have a fishing pole because she lived to be 106. But I, I think they still have their personalities. They still have. So they, of course, if you're trying to keep them here, they may stay longer than they should. I don't know that we're making them, but they make that, make that choice in a way. And then it's harder to move on. I know in your book, Spirits Unveiled, a fresh perspective on angels, guides, ghosts, and more, which is out and available now. We have a link for it on today's program guide, along with a link to Michelle's website. You talk about many different aspects of what spirit is, what ghosts are, what what these beings are and what they're doing here. Um Tulpas, thought forms, creations. I've often wondered if the the sense of the spirit that we have around us is more of a projection from us. And it's not the spirit of our loved one. And that's why it's so weak and malformed, why it's so, I don't want to say inept, but in 
incapable of creating a real connection with us, but it, it, it's more like a holographic memory that we're projecting of what we want. Mm-hmm. Are, are we even that capable? Am I giving us way too much credit on that, Michelle? No, you're not. Because we can create, I love what, I mean, I just love the deep thinking on it because we can create thought forms for sure. So why mm-hmm. couldn't we create a thought form of a loved one that's not really in full essence our loved one? It's a thought form of a loved one. I never thought about that. I wish it was in my book because that is brilliant. Yes, I absolutely resonate with that and think that could happen. Well, in in the second book, just make sure to credit yeah. Dave Schrader. Credit? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I I it's something that you know, I, I understand the grieving process and I understand it's hard to let go. And sometimes I wonder if in by holding back our grief because we want to be strong, we're doing a disservice to ourselves to heal. We're doing a disservice to the ones that we loved to let go. Um, we have to get over the dogma and stigmas of what other people have put upon us. The real men don't cry. Real, I, I cry all the time. I'm an emotional wreck. And people that watch the ghost of devil's perch will see that there are some emotional moments for me. I'm, I'm totally destroyed. I'm giving you guys a little hint here. Episode three, I'm totally destroyed by what I uh, encounter emotionally. Um, and, and I, I, I don't wear, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't wear a mask to try to be a man. You know, I believe that I can be a man and be sensitive to the emotions and feelings around me. Um, but I fight grieving. I know I have not fully grieved for the people that I've lost, the loves that I've lost, the 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 lives that I've lost. And because I want to feel, not that I feel like I'm defined by my grief, but I almost feel like if I do it, I'm finally letting it go. And that's scary to people, right? Right. So it's almost like that if that grief is the one thing that you can still hold on to. And it's like, why? And like you just said, so you just hold on just to that as the remnants of grief, just to, and, and don't ever fully uh, get out of the grieving process. I, I think that's very true. And um, I've learned so much in this, the, the grief and death doula classes I've taken. One of the reasons they asked at the beginning why I was taking it, because I see mm-hmm. spirits, I communicate with spirits. Why? And I said, because, because I do, sometimes I don't feel like I, I'm very compassionate too. And I, and I very, you know, cry and, and, but I want to be able to communicate better with those who have lost and, lost loved ones and for me with the loved ones and how can we walk through that better and of course that we all say this that it's time for us here in the west to start learning to talk about death and start learning to talk about that we need to grieve so i admire and it's fascinating right you look at it i remember sitting there in my provincial way and the Mexican culture does what? They go have lunch on the grave and they make a meal for the dead. And and it, to me, I'm like, what kind of sick freaks do that? And then you realize that it is a celebration. It's a celebratory thing to say, I don't need you with me all the time, but I celebrate who you are, who you were. And I'm happy that you're still with me. You're, you're still part of this. And I think that's that's an amazing way to deal with grieving. That's a beautiful way to deal with grieving. Uh, one that I... I I I need to incorporate more in my own life. And I hope that others will too, is find a way to, uh, to come to terms with that grieving and letting those aspects go, understanding that the love you feel for someone doesn't go away. Once you cry it out, once you emotionally break, you know, my father, um, uh, my, my stepfather that raised me, my dad, he is a very strong Chicago Pollock construction worker, right? And doesn't, I've, you know, many of his friends have died. His parents died. I you know, saw a couple trickle tears, nothing major. Um, our dog Walker died and it destroyed him. And I thought yeah. when my mom told me, she goes, I don't understand. She said, uh, I've, I've been there with him at, at his brother's funeral i've been there at his friend's funeral his parents funeral and he just seems to be like "Hmm, hmm." and yet he's destroyed by the dog and i i thought i wonder if he's allowing the rest of grieving to take place right now and this is the linchpin this is 
you know, one would say the the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, I I like to think of it as I can hide it with that. I'm not bawling over my mommy and daddy being gone. I'm not bawling over my brother or my sister or whatever. I'm, you know, this is my dog, you know, and and that was okay. And he was devastated for days. Mom would come home and he'd just be sobbing at the kitchen table. And that's not my dad. And, And I don't mean that in a poor way. That's great. I just mean, that's not who he would always project. But I wonder if that was just his, once he opened the floodgates to grief. Yeah. I think that what what was the name of the dog? Walker. Well, I think Walker, it's my grandson's name. I think Walker helped him with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I bet if somebody communicated with Walker, Walker would say that that was, I mean, that was Walker's helping him heal in some way. I mean, Walker probably facilitated that in some way. Animals are amazing. That's that's a fascinating perspective of it. Yeah. You know, who made us so, you know, when I talk about different spirits and, and even animals in spirit, animal companions, uh, who made us decide that we know so much more than those animals? You know, uh, mm-hmm. when all of our animal companions, they do so much to heal us. And I think even in their passing, they do that. There is a tragic story and it's appeared on a couple of the different ghost shows now um and we covered it on our show in the past uh when i was with darkness radio echo bodine the medium i'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're familiar with her yeah. she's pretty well known and famous she lives here in minnesota is a good friend of ours and she was telling me the story these boys were on their way home from a, a hockey tournament and uh we're in a horrible car wreck and all three of the boys were killed mm-hmm. um the police were on set site taking photographs of the accident and uh they captured spiritual activity in the photographs. There's no doubt about it. What's fascinating is um, it's heartrending. Um, if you and you could find it online, folks. It's like hockey player ghost. Uh, you know, teenage hockey player ghost. I think if you Google it, but there's this image of the car and the police officer taking a picture one of in the car and you can see the boy slumped over in the front seat and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then as he's outside taking the picture of the car, you see this visage of the boy standing there mouth open this locked in this silent scream but when my understanding is that when they showed this to the family they noticed that off to his side was a black lab and that that was his black lab growing up and that brought them comfort because they so if you look at the picture you'll see it it's it's startling you're so drawn to this boy in this moment of Oh shit, my life is done. And you, you see that look on his face, and this dog is sitting next to him diligently. And I, you know, it's, I think that that definitely fits in like with what, you know, your version of the story that you were just explaining is that the animals, you know, their, their lack or not lack, but their ability to show love and compassion far exceeds anything we've ever done in humanity. Exactly. There's, and then it, they, they just give of themselves for us, you know, so much. Yeah. So I, I believe that Walker helped your father right. grieve other things. It's- oh, we're getting a little choppy here, Michelle. The spirits are starting to intercede on your line. You're going to have to clear okay. the inner, blow the internet clear. We need you back. Um, I, I'm, I'm thankful that you're able to come on and give us some insight on this, talking about the grieving ghost concept and theory and the fact that that we would i because i've thought that myself that if you know i joke about it and i say with the garbage my kids have given me growing up i oh you can bet i'm gonna haunt them i'm gonna be here to make their life hell like they made my life in life right i'm gonna be here to poke and prod scare and whatever but i also know that i just love my children so much i can't foresee letting go of this plane with that said as we we ready to say goodbye here. Is there a danger to the soul to stay too long? If I elected to stay here to watch my children grow up and have their children and get married. And then I think to myself, Oh, then I'll let go. Then I'll go to the light and I'll go be with my friends and family and dogs and cats that preceded me. Do we run the risk of losing who we are? So I have a different take on it. I I say that the spirit that lingers behind will still be able to to go. Okay, people are like, there's a window of time where you have to go. That's I have never seen that. 
the danger is not allowing the one still on earth to move on. So I feel the danger would be to the, uh, those that are left here, not to the soul that decided to linger. And the soul has a little bit of higher perspective. There's still an ego a little bit, but they will move on because they realize they're, they're holding us back. So I feel they could still move on. That's, that's my opinion because I've seen souls have stayed a long time and I was like, what is this window of time and who came up with this exact number of days that you have to go right. and, or you're going to miss the light. Uh, I don't buy that. That doesn't has, I've never seen that. So, but I think it could hurt the, the loved ones that they are not letting their loved ones move on in a way that might be healthy. And it's interesting because if we do, if we do hold on, is our sorrow, our spirit's sorrow, what's causing the grief to go so much longer for those that are still alive? Because mm-hmm. empathetically, we're still connected to that soul. Could that loss, that longing, and I'm not putting the blame on the soul, because again, as a dad, I'd think I'm going to be here. But if right. I realize I'm really causing more problems for my kids because of that, not letting go of that connection, not letting them live a life because I'm always daddy's still here, right? Um, can that cause... Uh, cause waves. It's interesting to, to think about, right? These are things yeah. that'll put you to bed tonight and make your mind whirl for hours. And those, and those, you can still come through if you go. I mean, I have people come through all the time. It, it'll be, and I'm not saying anything's going to happen to you, but Dave's coming through. And Dave, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, you will, I'm sure you will make yourself known. And that's how it feels when spirits come through to me for people. Just And it's sometimes out of the blue. That's two cases that I've helped big ones that were in the book that it was just not at least time I've expected it. But the, the spirit found me and was saying, you know, almost like a kid in class going, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll, I have something to say. Right. I want you to tell them this, you know, so you can still get your messages across and you can still connect with those loved ones. I give ideas in the book of how you should do, you know, before they pass, what's your favorite song? You don't have to meet somebody in a cemetery. You don't have to go to the cemetery, you know, connect through the song, their favorite song, uh, a friend of mine that I read for, and that was short on a time that she, her d- brother had died by suicide. And I saw him immediately when she walked up to me and it's too long. Was, we'll tell it next time it's in the book, but I knew uh, she was sitting in a sauna and she got, she listens to heavy metal and she heard all of a sudden on her mix was a country Western song that was played at his funeral and he was coming through, you know, to talk to her. So they will, and there's ways that we can connect with them. Spirits Unveiled, a fresh perspective on angels, guides, ghosts, and more. Michelle Welch, that's the name of the book. You can find it on the link on tonight's program guide. You see, and be careful what you set up in advance, because my kids, I've heard them mockingly say, oh, we're not going to see bluebirds or butterflies. We're just going to smell dad's farts. That's how we're going to know he's here. But if that's the what you're looking for, be careful, because is that really that's how you want me to make my, I mean, if I have to, that's what I'm willing to do, Michelle. I'm going to. I'm going to help out in that sense. Michelle, it's such a pleasure to meet you, talk with you. And I know we have a lot more in your experiences in life that we're going to share. And I'd like to have you back to do more segments like this. Would you be willing to come back with me? Great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Again, tomorrow night, I will be back here live at 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Mountain, and 7 o'clock Pacific As we talk, the Paranormal 60 presents Ghosts of Devil's Perch. We're going to be talking about Episode 1, Blood Feud, that just ran this last Sunday on Discovery Plus and Travel Channel. If you missed it, please watch it. Remember, most important time to watch it is within that first 24 to 48 hours. That's how you save your favorite shows. If you wait and binge watch them all later, it does absolutely no good. Make sure that you check out those shows in the first 24 to 48 hours. But join me here tomorrow night. We'll be doing a special live video presentation. Chris Fisk, our historian from the show, will be on with me. Chris is amazing. You guys are going to absolutely fall in love with this guy. He knows this story. He knows this history, and he knows the ghosts of Butte. And we're going to talk about what you saw in Episode 1, and we're going to give you a little taste of what you can expect in Episode 2, The Axeman. That's tomorrow, right here on The Best in Paranormal Programming. Paranormal Parasites feed off of our weaknesses, our low energy and willingness to hold on to negativity. Raise your energy, repel the negative, and be aware of the things, the people and the places that you allow near you. After all, 
You have authority over your body, mind, and soul. Don't allow others and other things to live there rent-free. Choose to break the bonds that tie us to the leeches of all kinds. And remember, the next time you fight back the urge to grieve, to allow the healing to process, you may inadvertently be binding yourself to those souls of those that you love and vice versa. Respect the dead, remember the dead, and honor them by leading a life worth living. I'd like to thank my guest, Michelle Welsh. You can find a link for her book and her website and her podcasts on today's program guide. And truly, from the bottom of my heart to the eternity of my soul, thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60, allowing me along on your journey. And may the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we share here. Make sure to like this video and the podcast. Subscribe and tell everyone you know about it. And for those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, thank you. And coming out and telling people about it and rating and reviewing, please continue to rate and review. It's great that you go give me the five stars, but put a little review in there. Let people know why you love to listen to the Paranormal 60. Do that on whatever podcast device that you listen to the show. And you can also put some great comments right here on YouTube as well. Until next time, this Friday with the Paranormal News crew, I'm Dave Schrader. Thank you for being part of our world.